Hello. Hello. I'm Gabriel. I am Nick. And we are coming into your airwaves to give you the life, liberty, We're and coming podcast. Into their airwaves. <laughs> Again. <laughs> our cum is on the electromagnetic wave what spectrum the fuck? we're okay, coming we're... into your airwaves no. hello i call my dick a router <laughs> <laughs> can we please not do this i'm done at&t gateway <laughs> hey welcome everybody this is uh are we recording Nicholas. Yes. <laughs> there is a red dot. Oh. <laughs> it's staring at me. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode five, Empire Strikes Back, with Gabriel and Nicholas. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about corporate, betray- cor- corporate betrayal. We're sleep deprived. Yeah. We're going to talk about how you can dedicate yourself so much to a company and they just stab you <laughs> oh, in the fucking back. <laughs> they just fucking... We're going for, straight for it, Nicholas. Oh, find, my God. They find 26 other guys, and they just fucking Julius Caesar your ass. <laughs> they pull out a fucking... Uh, a, a 26 job postings on Craigslist. It's like, hey, we need someone... We need to 26... Replace. We Yeah, 26 olive You're really trying skinned. hard on this one. <laughs> men to stab this child <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> no we're not talking about that um yeah definitely not talking about your drama today all right um so <laughs> we went to momocon <laughs> in other news yeah uh, uh that's for those of you unaware of um weep stuff we went to a convention in atlanta that is meant for well, it's supposedly supposedly for more nerd stuff in general, kind of like Dragon Con, but it's really more just focused it's on anime oriented. Yeah. It's like it's more called Momocon. It's like it leans into the Japanese stuff more and the animation and anime. It full it full fucking dives into the Japanese <laughs> stuff. I went there. This is my this is my first convention ever. So maybe not. I don't have, exactly have a point of reference, but I was like, oh, this is not. I thought it was going to be like more evenly spread between. Yeah, Dragon Con is more evenly spread. Momocon is definitely focused on anime. Yeah, which um, I thought I enjoyed anime, um, but clearly there's like people who enjoy enjoy it, and I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, like I think I'm more of a casual enjoyer now that I've like seen the community. <laughs> yeah, like not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, it's I'm just like it. It now I know what a person who's like I fucking love anime looks like. I'm like, oh, I'm not that. I thought I was. I thought because I really enjoy it that I was like, no, I'm not like body and soul, <laughs> you know, body pillow, yeah, was. body pillow <laughs> and soul. Yeah. No, um, it was fun. I loved it. It was. I always. I don't know what it is about cons, but they always like. I don't know. It's just like a fun. It's like away from reality for a bit, where you can just have fun and just meet people who are like minded, mm-hmm. and just do whatever you want. And I, I kind of like that a lot. So like, I had a really good time. I always have a good time at cons, even if I go by myself. I usually just make friends there. Like yeah. I know you guys abandoned me multiple times throughout the day. So I did. I did. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, you can continue going about your perception of the con. Well, yeah. I mean, like. 
it's always hard because there's there's so many things going on that it's hard to like divvy up your time in a way that like doesn't make you exhausted and also like gets all the stuff that you want to do plus if you go with friends they want to do other things you know there's a bunch of panels there's the the um gaming rooms the board games the and then the dealer's room with all the stuff being sold yeah uh performances going on contests so it's, it's there's so, so much going on so it can be a little bit overwhelming to try to figure out where you want to go yeah. so I've, i'm still trying to kind of figure out that perfect con balance of like what to do and what not to do i think um the uh like this being my first one, I, I'm I'm thinking about it now. Like I went there, and I'm not gonna say I didn't enjoy it. Like I did, but like I didn't. It wasn't for me, right? Uh, and it's not because it was like anime. It's just because the I didn't know what you do there, right? So I go in, and it's just like a lot of the stuff is like go into a room and sit down, listen to someone speak, right? Or like you can say participate in activities, but like ultimately you're part of a crowd. Right. Sitting in a room right. watching something. And it's like I that just I don't know. Um, maybe it's because the for me personally, the the content within the room is not intriguing enough. It just felt like I was like in class and I was mm. just like I went to one and I was like it was the one I thought would be most appealing to me. It was like comic book writing 101 oh yeah and then i went in there and it was like these people are obviously industry professionals who have written for like dc and marvel but then i was like well maybe i'll glean something and you go in there and it's like a lot of stuff that you could ultimately like find from just like youtube or something like that where it's like you know it's just stuff that i've heard you know right, before right, right, right. yeah and uh after that i was just kind of like i don't know if i want to sit inside a room for 30 minutes or more at a time you know it just it, if if i'm going something i want to enjoy something that's like not what i'm gonna do what i loved about um the convention was uh the art hall yeah. that was fucking dope mm -hmm. you know because you know <clears throat> you get to walk around and see artists selling their wares and it's like really cool because um like i saw a lot of artists that had been following on instagram for a while and I didn't know they were going to be there. And I ran into them. And it was like I had like probably some one of my first like celebrity moments where I was like, oh, my fucking God, it's that artist. I didn't know that you were a real person and that you were going to be here. So yeah. um, I didn't say that to him. I was obviously much more cool and chill. Than <laughs> um, but uh, of course. But yeah, it was super cool to like walk up to them and talk to talk to them. And I was like, I was like, gosh, I never thought I'd see your stuff in person like oh did you do you follow me it's like oh yeah i watch your live streams and you know that like a lot of your stuff That's so awesome. i i think what i've actually gained from um and i don't know if this is true but i think there's um uh i think that there's a convention like um how do i say this i don't think conventions that are that are oriented towards like like uh, fandom yeah like consumer Again, this is not me like being like you guys are fucking plebes, right? But it's like I think if there is a convention that was much more like artist conventions, and I think there is one. I think it's called like Lightbox Expo. Oh, really? I think so. I'm looking it up right now because I always hear about like illustrators. I always hear that uh, from illustrators uh, online that they're like, oh, I'm going to like a this thing called Lightbox Expo, and I've never. I think when I heard about it, it was COVID time. Mm. 
Um, yeah, so Lightbox Expo celebrates the best in live action, animation, illustration, and gaming industries. So I think like that's sort of convention I would go to, and I'd be like fucking like hell yeah. I'd be <laughs> so excited to go because you know, there are so many illustrators that I follow that that are there and are presenting, and that would be that would be something. Um, so yeah, so yeah, something more focused in the art world, which is something you're passionate about. Yeah, I th- I thought that like anime was like going to be, or sorry, Momocon was going to be that, but I just like realized I think you know, general illustration and art is more my world. Than, yeah, like, you know, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for me, it really is anime. So that's just like it's my haven. Yeah, um, I can tell you were enjoying it, man. I was like, <laughs> I got, I went there and I was like, I was beat by like midday. You know, I was like, oh, God, you know, after I ate lunch, I was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the panels, it can be very hit or miss with panels because it really just depends on the panelists themselves and how they do it. Yeah. I've been to panels that are very boring. And then I've also been to panels that are really cool. Like, I remember in Dragon Con, I went to the, a panel that was done by the creators of Ben 10. And oh, that's so, that yeah, it was fucking super cool. Awesome. Uh, I actually have a poster from them that they signed. So, yeah. can, but um, they uh, they did a the, their panel was literally just we're going to create a story with the audience so you can practice t- storytelling, and we just all just came together and just made a story for like the entire hour of the panel. That sounds fun. So like it just depends on like the panelists and whether they have fun with it or not. Which maybe next time you'll get to see my panel, Nicholas. Oh uh, yeah, I did a panel on not planning on doing it, but yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah um for context i uh he stormed to the pulpit and, yeah i was uh, like i'm know, doing this now he preached yeah. to the crowd <laughs> he was uh he was speaking in tongues to to the momocon goers tongue, yeah, yeah was, uh, well, <laughs> oh i thought you said proselytizing and i was uh, like yeah <laughs> <laughs> close enough there no, was a guy there who was doing that outside oh my trying god to, like, oh yeah there's always some guy and he, he was, it seems like maybe because we when I was seeing him it was day two. So maybe he was like out of energy. He was like, I'm Leviticus. <laughs> they say do this. And I'm just like, well, you run out of steam guy. You need, yeah. a, you need like a, a juice or something. <laughs> it's pretty hot out, though. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. But I was saying it was like the very first panel I went to for MobileCon this year was an Avatar The Last Airbender trivia panel. Mm-hmm. And the panelists just didn't show up. It was like 15 minutes in and there was no one there. And the room was crowded. It was super full. People were standing in the back and stuff. So obviously people wanted to see something. So I like joked to my friend Kennedy who came with me. And I was like, hey, I maybe I should go up there and just do it myself. And then right after I said that, two guys just went up. It's like, all right, we're taking over. And so I was like, bet. So I went up there with them and then we did our trivia podcast. And um, like one Your of the trivia, what? Uh, not, I said podcast. Fucking cheating. <laughs> You're cheating on me? You're cheating on me with these two strangers I know. doing well, a they, trivia podcast? They're Ecuadorians. So. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and they were cosplayers in Canto. So. Oh, well, that's cute, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're just better than you. Okay. That's hurtful. <laughs> How? Where's the punchline? Or am <laughs> I just the punchline? Punch okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it was fun. They're cool. Um, we just looked up questions in the trivia. Um, and then like at the end, like one of the staff people was like, hey, can you come with us? We're like, oh, God, what do we do? Mm-hmm. But they were just like, thank you for doing that. If you want to apply for a panel for next year, we'll make sure to like put you down, write, write your name down so you can get a prioritization. I'm like, oh, bet. So yeah, it'd be so funny if they're like, come with us and you just get fucking they, <laughs> in the gulag. They like, yeah, in the gulag, they give you blindfolds and a cigarette and you get executed by like 
a firing squad of uh, Genshin cosplayers. <laughs> that would be beautiful. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, well, that's cool. That's on. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Those so I've always of... wanted to do a panel, so I might do it. Oh, yeah. I came away from that too. Is like I feel like I'd I'd also have more fun in these things if I was an important person. At it. Yeah. If, it, if the center of attention was on me. Um, no. Well kind of yes but not in like an egotistical way it's just like i have more fun participating in events in like in the sense of like like working with them like yeah like being going like i was part of this um i don't even know how to describe it and it's called odyssey of the mind okay um and it's like a improv slash creative problem solving sort of oh i think i've heard of it isn't that like you take a test to like get in no Okay, it's like SNL of sorts, uh, but like they give you a prompt every year and then you compete with your skit that you come up with. So like, for example, one of the skits that we came up with was like create a representation of um, uh, create a representation of the cities of the world um, and have them overcome previous um like there's set things that you have to convey within it and it's your and it's it ranges from like very vague like have them overcome uh previous uh what is it expectations or perceptions of the world right Mm -hmm. like um uh and that but then they'll have like uh hard like expectations or hard requirements for the skit which is like have a large like mechanical object or something like that you know Mm. so like it ranges from like vague to like set parameters and um that was i would had fun like participating in that and like doing it and then like doing that but like i wouldn't i didn't enjoy as much like watching other people's stuff right because ours was the best (laughs) um not egotistical guys uh well i mean we went to fucking international we were wait really yeah we went uh, we i did it for two years um the first year i've never heard of this yeah it's unfortunate but it's like it's really fun and i had to well no i've heard of odyssey of mine i just never heard you being in it like you never told this story god that's wild i can't believe that uh well no i believe but like you know i can't believe i haven't said anything about it um well, uh, I guess I don't want to deviate too much from the from the tangent of this, but like it the um, uh, like the our process for doing it is like they give you the prompt, right? And then you have a lot of time to determine how you want to go about doing it. And so there's not like the way uh, our group operated is like we were like seven or so art kids, so like our approach to the skit was a lot more comedy and a lot more we're gonna make a set that fucking rocks and Mm. it's like you know art an art project unto itself Mm -hmm. and um you know you go to some some of these other things and everybody's is a lot more like almost like they try and hit every single requirement and metric like where we're just like fucking riffing you know (laughs) and whether we hit it we're just like oh yeah there's like requirements right (laughs) Um, well that's what i usually do too yeah yeah because there's the same risk. you're just having fun you yeah. know like it's like honestly in mind is it, it was fun and and honestly it was great uh for me because i felt like that that in my life is like one of the 
like first times where I was like, oh, I found my people. Mm. You know, these people are creative and smarter than I am and more fucking off the walls than I am. And like, you know, it just encouraged that side of me that I was like, oh, super cool. These people are real and I'm not like alone. <laughs> hey, um, what? Someone smarter than Nicholas Ross? Oh, my Blas? God. Why do you have to focus on that part? It's not. <laughs> I'm I, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the more the part I'm more excited about was like the people who are more spontaneous and creative. Like, people who can be more irreverent and just, like, fucking, like, come up with more random synapse connections than me. I'm more envious of that than intelligence. Because I've met people who are more intelligent, but less fun. More intelligent, but less funny. And I'm, like, I'm not, like, oh, I want to be that. But I've met people who are, like, more funny than me. And I get, like, fucking, I clinch my fists. Because <laughs> I'm, like, like, Walker? No, he's not funnier than me. He's just more handsome. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? That's fucking talking. That's fair. He is. You are. You are funny. I'll give you that. I'm. I'm seeing seeing him for dinner tonight. So, really? Yeah. You want me to send your regards? Yeah. Here, I'll punch you. Then you punch him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, uh, I was gonna say something. You know, Anna and I were talking last night. We were like, you know, I feel like Nicholas would love to live in France. You just seem like your kind of people. I know this is very, very. Now we're just completely off in a different. Yeah, now tangent. we're just fucking reminiscing. <laughs> I don't care. We can. Do but it. like you, I mean, you French. Apparent, according to Anna, anyway, French people are very, you know, blunt and like they don't like small talk. They're just like, and they don't. They just get straight to it. But they get straight to it, and they also don't. They don't have time for bullshit, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I'd be curious to go there and experience that for myself i mean i've never been there but like i whenever i do encounter european people who come to the united states like get get along with them really well because they're like more willing to talk about things where it's oh, like 100%. I, but i also it's not like i'm at a loss for that because i surround myself with people in the united states who are that way but those are fewer and far between right but like consistently every european that i've met for the first time and then started talking to them about stuff they were like super cool and wanted to talk about those things like like deeper things yeah or just like anything right Mm. like where i feel like if i were to i don't know i i feel like but i'd be interested to see how that would go you know because Maybe it would be good. Maybe I'll just like get fucking tired of it after a while and be like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't want to, you know, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm starving for it now. I'm fiending for it now. But what if I go to Europe and it's just like every single person's that way? It's just like, all right, everybody take a chill. Pill. <laughs> you know, not like life is not super deep. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say until you actually experience it for yourself. But I know Anna loves it. She wants to go back. But um, we should yeah. all just move there. Why are we here? Nicholas, you know why I'm here. <laughs> Someone's got to save this country. Can't you like run for election, like but remote or something? I don't know. <laughs> you, I don't think you need to be in the country in order to do it. You have to have a place of residence in the place you run it. Run Can't in. you just settle for being like the background guy who manipulates from the shadows? No, I have to be a center of stage, spotlight on me. Oh, okay. This is so that brings us back to your panel. <laughs> so yeah momocon 10 out of 10 experience would do it again okay very cool oh um we should do a rating for everything we talk about from now on um that should be our gimmick um five shaquille o'neal stands out of seven yeah there we go because he's seven feet 
He is? I don't know. Good lord, what a monster. He might not be, but I, I, he's very tall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I guess uh, to, to finish up on it, like, uh, for off, off of coming back from the tangent, the, um, the art hall that I went to, more than anything, I wanted to talk more with the artists, and I just didn't want to be, like, I know people will say, well, no, they love talking to people, but it's just, like, you got, like, tons of people going by your desk and ultimately you're there to like you know sell sell and like you know but i i would love to have a booth there and sell stuff and talk to people and yeah. then talk to the other artists that are there you know more than anything i think that would be like the optimal way i would enjoy it yeah i would agree well let's do it nicholas i'll be a panelist you'll be an artist mm-hmm. at the next moment yeah it was it was really cool because a lot of people's booths were like really i mean i i guess not that it fucking matters because nobody's listening but i uh, uh i wanted to like the people that i specifically saw and loved was um like i saw new ones uh new artists that were uh one's called uh gawky g-a-w-k-i mm-hmm. i bought probably a lot of their stuff um uh like i bought two posters um and then uh the other one is uh von art mm. and it's like v-o-n-n-a-r-t and his stuff is like graphite uh il- oh, yeah, illustrations yeah, very it's cool. just that guy is top tier like yeah. top tier his 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 ability to like i don't know uh to to like to have value changes it just i don't know he's always been a big um like i try and steal a lot of his techniques and and put them into my stuff when it comes to like graphite illustration that's really cool yeah i'm i every time i go to economy i was like i need to stop buying posters because i have way too many posters and then i just buy end up buying four because i can't resist and oh it's yeah. like no other merch that i can really buy that's like not super expensive and like still usable and in some way so i bought two posters again but it's fine because they were good yeah you know one of them is you know nuclear bomb yeah. with the background yeah with glee from genshin mm-hmm I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you, man. I just a position. I've <laughs> never been to a place where the art was in front of me. It, well, like the art was in front of me and it was art that was more catered to something I would buy rather than some fucking like, you know, gallery with some, you know, someone's niece's minimalist piece of shit artwork. <laughs> um, you know, I fucking I hate minimalism um, just so much. Uh, but uh, I think it's a vehicle for tax evasion but um <laughs> yeah while i was there the um uh like normally when i see these people's artwork online i just kind of like ah like i'll go to their shop and be like ah do i want it it's like 45 dollars yeah. you know it's just like ah, and then i usually don't right i convince myself out of it there it's like oh my god ah, the blood it's is pumping. right there yeah the dopamine is like <laughs> you know kicking in like it's you the know. con effect nicholas it's like yeah. i know i can buy this for cheaper online yeah but i almost bought a fucking playstation 2 at momocon because oh, yeah. i was like nostalgia brain hitting all over the place yeah. and so like and then i saw the, i was actually it's hilarious because my brother and i used to love this game uh called Yu-Gi-Oh capsule monsters in playstation 2 and like we you know solar playstation 2 and all the game some of the games and that was one of them so we've always wanted to get it back so i was like yeah i saw the game and the playstation 2 there and the playstation 2 was like 160 bucks the game was like 25 I'm like i'm gonna buy it right now yeah and so i called flip was like hey you want to go half season like what the fuck are you talking about dude this is the dumbest thing you've ever told me i'm like 
You know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> no, it isn't. And Don't then, listen to him. He's lame now. No, no, no. But like, and then I thought about it. I'm like, I don't need a PlayStation 2. I'm probably never going to use it. And also, what a I lie. Had, and that's fair. I probably, I might. But the other thing was the I game. I think Sebastian has a, a PlayStation 2. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, I think he does. So, yeah, I looked at the Yu-Gi-Oh game that I wanted to get. Yeah. And I realized it was the Japanese version, which it specifically said you cannot play in Western markets because... I don't know if you know this, but video games in different countries can't be played in other countries. Did you know that? I, I bet like they're different. for the legal sense, but is it is it like technically Yeah, formatted? they're technically formatted in different formats so that you can't, it's impossible for you to play a Japanese game in America unless uh. they s- switch the format or unless you have a Why console that it? has the format. Did you ask them if that console was a Japanese console, I guess? No, but... <laughs> I mean, maybe it was. It was kind well, of no, because it did say Japanese, not like it had a warning that said in that section, not like I forgot what exactly what it said, but it basically implied that it's not playable. It's just for collections, I guess. Dang. It so is, I, it, it wasn't going to work out either way. I was like, I don't have money right now, so I, I shouldn't spend it on this. I guess that makes sense because I, I like, uh, I kind of remember something kind along those lines was um, like Devil May Cry 3 when they first released it the difficulty settings were different in the west because like it was i think the normal in japan was too hard for like (laughs) westerners um or something like that and so they had to like change the difficulty settings Mm -hmm. um but yeah god that great that game is great i love that game so much but we're not gonna go off on that tangent again uh i haven't gotten my one I think we were supposed to talk about Devil May Cry, but then we kind of avoided it again or something. We'll get to it eventually. Maybe they'll... Re- well, they will release a sixth one, but not for a yeah. while. Um, cool. Actually, I probably... I don't remember what we've talked about on this thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was fun. Um, I'll go again next year. I don't know if I'm going to Dragon Con. It depends on if I have money or not. How much is it? Dragon Con? Um, I mean, if you do it early, it's pretty cheap. It's like probably like 80 or 90 bucks for all five days but if you do it closer to it it's probably like 130 for all five days mm. it's pretty expensive i think i think that my num the number one thing that i um gleaned from this experience is that you like you should go there and like have a budget of how much you're gonna spend oh yeah not to prevent yourself from from spending but more like i want to save money specifically so i can buy a bunch of stuff when i get there yeah you know because i had to like fucking <laughs> sell your i was in between paychecks so i had to pawn some shit <laughs> in order to buy, to buy it the art to buy it well because i'd already uh, like paid for the ticket his right possessions <laughs> Well, I didn't need them, obviously. I valued them more than art, you know, or I valued, valued the art more than them. Yeah. So, like, it's nothing wrong with that. Nah, I know. I'm just kidding. But I it's like I'd already bought the funny. pass, so I also needed gas money to kind of validate a purchase that I made, <laughs> you know, because I was, like, down gas money. Yeah. Um, GG. Yeah. But um, I can't believe I never told you the Odyssey of Mind stuff. Like, you never so, have. like, integral to my being. Because you've always told me about GHP, but you've never told me about well, GHP. Well, GHP is, I'd say, maybe more integral, but, like, uh, Odyssey of Mind is probably, like, second place. That's crazy. No, actually, I take that back. My art experience with, in high school, in the classroom with my art teacher, my dad. <laughs> my dad. <laughs> That's probably number one. That's such an interesting dynamic. I can it imagine. is. 
Because I, I, the only time I've had anything similar to that is when my dad was my soccer team's coach. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I was the coach's son, which was weird. That still didn't let give me the privilege of being picked first because I'm still not that good. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I, I liked it. It's very in terms of art, uh, very influential over like how I produce stuff and how I make stuff. Like it's four years working yeah. with working with someone who like I don't know uh, as an art teacher is like no holds barred. You know, like when it comes to. I, he would treat me differently than most of the students there in the mm. sense that like he knew what I could tolerate in terms of like um, stern what's the Strict. tough love Okay. and so like if I in terms of it was like a reworking not just of my art te- my art technique but of my creative process because mm. like his art class is not a techniques class like you don't go in there to like revise your technique or like I don't think most people do like I don't think anybody goes in there and is like starts not wanting like starts wanting to draw realism can't do it and then emerges at the end of it able to do it like he doesn't teach it he allows you to practice it on your own right if you determine that that's the style that you want to go with mm. right but ultimately what he does is um he caters and allows you to develop your style and like and create projects around it and um i think mostly what he works on is like facilitating your growth of creativity and how you think about things and both in how you create the painting and also the ideas that you want to create the painting about like uh one of my favorite projects that we did in that class was um he was like do a painting about dirt Mm. right and so i mean I I kind of I don't want to say I was ahead of everybody I was ahead of everybody in the sense like he's been my dad forever right and so the artistic process that he taught me didn't start when I started high school right he's been teaching me forever and I've always been around him and he's taken me to art shows and exposed me to so many different artists that's my entire childhood right right so like I already kind of know how to think and it's like the way I would watch everybody else is like their first jo- their first thoughts and their first leaps were like obviously pretty simple and like uh, cliche. Um, and I guess ideas themselves aren't cliche and maybe just the execution is cliche, right? And that's the issue. You know, like wanting to do a piece about global warming is not terrible. Like obviously everybody's going to jump to that. If you're like do a piece about dirt, everybody's going to think about plants and then you know how we're not you know gmos and this that and the other thing because like you know high schoolers are inherently political right um so you know since that's most people's first leap um then uh you know he works with like okay if you are going to express this then like you need to find a way to express this in a way that is not typical right you need to work on becoming more creative you can't just do like if you want to do a piece about sadness you can't just do you know a uh, uh, like half portrait of someone's face with a single tear going down their cheek and the gl- the world is in that tear you know because <laughs> he's going to fucking throw it away <laughs> um but I, that piece specifically was uh, uh i think a pretty or that project specifically was great because i did a piece that was about um i thought it i i I like to do 
inversions or like not hypocrisies but like uh funny coinky <laughs> i don't know how how it is uh or coincidences i guess how like uh pig fat was used in hand soap um, oh yeah but but ironies. Pigs, yeah, ironies exactly how like pig fat is used in hand soap but then pigs are considered like filthy right filthy you know and even traditionally they're considered dirty animals like you know mm-hmm. by religions and cultures and things like that um and uh that piece was great because um or that working on that piece was great because he really wow like pushed the boundaries like we stayed up until like fucking midnight to 1 a.m and i got to a point where i was like not certain what to do and we went back and forth and it's like i had this fear of making the wrong mark right on a piece like i had this apprehension towards making you know uh a not perfect mark and i was afraid of how it would ruin the rest of the piece and make it and that was like a point where he's just like make a fucking mark and i was like i don't know what to make it and so what he did he's like he grabbed the the paint palette thing from my and then he just made a mark and it's just like you got to work with it now you know and it's just like that that is a pivotal moment in terms of like well i feel like we've gone down a different road here yeah that's fine but uh that that's like a pivotal moment in terms of like my perception of art because it's like once you like learn that where it's just like everything kind of make making art felt a lot more fun because and a lot easier and like less stress inducing like i obviously still care about it and want to make it good but it's just like i would spill coffee on my like paintings and my illustrations all the time it'd be like i'll be fuck it i'm working it in you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do something with it you know because it's like that's how it is yeah imperfections are part of life and you just gotta roll with the punches right and it's the same thing with art because it's just a representation of who we are right so sometimes like you know uh the paper warps right and you can't flatten it out just fucking deal with it roll with it make good art out of it turn it into like part of it i mean that's how film is like i've had to do that all the fucking time with like any film I make because I'm always low budget so when low budget definitely restricts you to a lot of the things that you can't really do yeah. so you have to find a way to like work work it in a way that's still um, I'm trying to think of an example like adapting to it, things that come up to where I mean this is not a good example because I think it's an awful <laughs> I think it's honestly bad and I hate it but like with my first feature film Marks not Karl Marx, just Marks like a Mark like your mark on the painting yeah um there were the the titular marks were supposed to be something that showed up on the skin right mm-hmm. like as a mark and like um it was a whole part of the theme or what the plot of the story but like the vfx person i had who was going to make it like quit the project in the middle of post-production so Damn. i didn't have someone to make the marks and i didn't know how to do it myself i tried to learn myself i just couldn't do it i tried to get someone else to do it they were terrible so my fix which i'm still i don't think is necessarily a good good fix but like what i did instead is that just they were supposed to be blue or red marks and like the dark it could be deeper shade blue or lighter shade red or whatever so i would just do the whole screen as like a color palette and that actually gave me the idea of like actually it did help a little bit i think with the theme because i actually color is very important in the film so like yeah throughout the film I, I i asked my color grader to like slowly make it more of a certain color throughout the film depending on what 
was going on in the story. Yeah. And that kind of came from that idea of like put, making the screen blue or red. Yeah. So I, that did help a little bit with the actual film itself, and I think it I opened up the creative process in a way that's interesting. Yeah. Whether it was executed well is a really different question. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's I I haven't seen it, but like in my experience, like I I go back and look at that that I call it the pig piece, right? It's like um, what it is is like a dissected pig down the middle, and you like see its organs and stuff. And then I use like a water slide decal to add like different brands of soaps around it. Um, and so mostly what it was was like an exploration. A lot of my art at that time was like exploration of anatomical illustrations from like the things you would see in like Gray's Anatomy books mm. or something like that. Um, but I go back and like a lot of the execution on that is like terrible, right? Uh, like my line quality is bad like my um like my obsession with like trying to create a pattern for every single thing rather than like trying to w focus on texture like i was just trying to figure out how to like add a indicator of flow rather than like i want to make sure that this texture the texture of this thing feels different than something else mm -hmm. right and so it kind of made it feel flat um but but in terms of like the significance of that piece, it's like you got to take a W in any way that you can, yeah. right? That might not be the best piece in, in in my portfolio, but it's like it it sharpened my tools mentally oh, yeah. for like, and it's like I feel like that's the same for you with marks. It's just oh, like 100%. I I gained a new tool in my tool belt, regardless of like how the film actually turned out. Yeah, by far the most I've ever learned for film was making that movie. Yeah. Like that, I learned everything I needed to know. So not everything, obviously, but like I learned a ton in a short time period. So like that was really a good experience for me. But um, and then now I'm trying to go back into media stuff. So it, it is gonna work out in the end. Cause I was I've always been a little like, especially when I'd made my transition from because I used <coughs> to work in the film industry into politics. I always thought I was kind of leaving behind a part of me with the film stuff because that's such a big part of my life for such a long time. But now I'm like actually reincorporating it back to my life a little bit uh, slowly. So I think I've kind of figured out a way to like be like, yeah, this can still be a part of my life, yeah. just not in the way I originally envisioned. I mean, so you should cool. never stop like taking ideas and like trying to think in that way, even if you're not working on it. Like I, I have a, like a running list of like art ideas that I eventually want to get to, and I may never get to. It's just like you never want to oh fucking drop that part of your. Oh yeah. There's your life. so many projects that I have in my head that I like want to see, but I just don't know how. Like I have some, like a couple of TV shows and feature films. I have the documentary I want to do with our family and stuff. Like that's actually I'm trying to actually do that, but that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff always in my head, and I'm always like, man, I just like, I still want to kind of do this stuff, but at the same time, like I have, you know, I can't do everything, so I have to find. I just think I just gotta like find the right time to do it, and if it, the opportunity presents itself, then I'll go for it. Yeah, you gotta make those opportunities, man. I mean, I, my kind of realization over this, like turning twenty-five and like this, is like I've had the same aspirations to eventually move into the realm of creative job, and I keep on sidelining it, partially because I try and make like rational decisions, which ultimately never benefit me in in the way that I want, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> because you can rationalize terrible decisions right oh, yeah. it's well, an unfortunate like bias that i've had to realize is just because i can rationalize it doesn't make it a good <laughs> just because it makes sense into my brain and i and i'm like brain does this compute and it's like yes it does <laughs> it, that a doesn't mean that i'm right and b doesn't mean that it's a good decision um but 
it's just like I feel like if you wait to make time for this sort of thing, it's not gonna happen because like I hate to get like fucking cheesy, but it's like the world is constantly encroaching on your personal time. You know, like that's the ultimate commodity that you sell, right? You dedicate yourself to a job and it's just like they ask more and more of you. I've had to come to terms with that this past week, you know? And um Yeah. I mean I've had experiences uh, with family members who I've seen who like who push that they like let work encroach upon time outside of you know the eight hours when they yeah. get paid and it's just like it's very unhealthy it's just it's so like it's so toxic and yeah. it's so weird to like um, my dad's like a hardworking guy mm-hmm. but he's never let that boundary get crossed he, mm. he had he's hardworking but he's hardworking in his personal life uh, just as much as he is with his job. Right. And so that has always been like, you know, something that I've seen. And then like, you know, my mom is kind of the opposite. She's always like work, 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 comes home, takes the work home. And that's been her entire life. And I've seen that. It's just like, it's not like our life is worse off for it, but it's just like, I can see how much more she would enjoy her life if she didn't do that, if she created that separation. Yeah. But, um, I'm now seeing that in my own workplace that I'm at where people are like they bring stuff home and they work stuff at home and it's just like like there's unless you're super passionate about I'm getting super ambiguous but it's like unless you're super passionate about like the stuff that we do at work which I don't think that it is I feel like you can be passionate about things that are like innately human yeah like cooking art consuming media or something like that um maybe maybe i don't know Wh- whatever i i guess i'm just witnessing it and i don't think these think these people are passionate about it. i think they feel compelled to because they don't want to fall behind even though the standard the rate at which we are moving is not set by them and it's not like it's just well, you know, it's set by everything, and then as a result of it, the company directives tells you to move faster, right? We got to compete. And it's just like, any, ultimately, we we end up selling more and more and more of our time. Yeah, and for and what? Then, <laughs> yeah, for what? Like, it's just, you, you want to say that it's like, well, I'll eventually retire, and I'll, like, fucking grind it out. But it's just like, I feel like that, that doesn't, that return is not there anymore. Where if you put in that, that amount of time, like, you know, people will recognize. I've again had to come to terms with that myself I, even with the the i wasn't even with the marginal mo- amount more that i was putting in right i prefer to be hyper productive within those eight hours than try and be like you know i'm going to be productive and put in 10 hours right yeah because i mean human willpower and energy is like it's like a battery you know like you only have so much that you can put in throughout the day yeah um, I'm kind of deviating from the subject, but it's just I would witness this, and it's just so like universally like accepted where I worked, and it's just like I, that's well, not I, I mean, can't do that. That's like you're not being human. You're not enjoying life. You know, I'm not yeah. saying like go out fucking travel. It's just like come home, have a beer, cook something, speak with friends. Like that's why you're here. You're just here to fucking amble around. Well, <laughs> you're that... not here to fucking push someone else's like you know. Um, profits for yeah. them. Like uh, that's the thing is like this country is so so has such a toxic work um, mindset to the point where it's like people don't even want to 
don't even have time to spend with their families anymore. Because, yeah. like, back in the day, in this country, you could have a one, a single income and raise a family of four, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, now that's literally impossible. You can't do that anymore unless you're making, like, at least six figures, if not more, be- in certain states. Like, you'd have to make even more than that to raise that big of a family. And yeah. so it's, like, you can't... Which sucks. You, you, you can't do shit anymore. And that, like, what's the point of life if you're just going to waste away work on a useless job that doesn't actually do anything for society instead of, like, actually putting meaning into your life? But because what, to me at least, what brings meaning to life is the people you know, your family, your friends, your loved ones, as well as what you do for your community. That's the most important thing to me of what life means. Everything else is bullshit. Work, we only do it because we have to. It's not because anyone actually wants to. There are studies that show that only, I think, uh, around 12% of people are actually happy in the work that they're in right now. What are we doing? Why? Why are we wasting our entire Uh, life for something that isn't necessary? And and it's not like I'm saying you should be like, well, like, I agree with you, but it's like, you shouldn't, it's not that you should be happy 100% of the time. Like, that's fantasy, right? Like, obviously, if you were to take it back to how it used to be, it's just like, nobody is like fucking, you know, like having the time of their life farming right like i'm not saying nobody is but it's just like there's a proportion of how much pleasure i get out of this and how much it is like fucking grinds like i gotta fucking work and like you know do the thing even if it's not fun right it's the part like past when you get into repetition you're just like oh the concept of farming is pretty cool well now it's time to plant things you know now it's time to actually put the fucking seed in the ground and um I just feel like the return on that is getting worse and worse more than anything. Because, like, you will always have to work, right? Um, you always have to do something you don't want to do in order to generate um, uh, survival income. But it just feels like the return on that is getting worse and worse and well, worse. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the perfect example. Well, like, and I'm not saying that either. Like, the th- when I say toxic work environment, I don't mean work is all bad or anything like that. Obviously, work is important. But it's not the only thing. And that's the thing is, like, it, they only prioritize work and nothing else. Nothing else matters because that's not good for the economy. That's not good for profits. That's not good for greed. Yeah. Um, but the other thing as well is, like, you don't have to necessarily work in an office to be considered a worker or a good worker. You can do work in other things, like you said, in cooking, in art, in, you know, creative passions, w- working on your, you know, your house, like, help improving your own family, your house, or improving your community, volunteering. Yeah. Uh, on the weekends to like help your community that's also all work and it's good work that actually gives dividends back to the community right and like Europe I think has a really good like obviously they have their own problems as well but they're way I think they're light years ahead in in maturity as a society and than what we are they are older than us I mean yeah it makes sense and it's like they've I think they've realized that like work isn't everything and that there are a lot more things to enjoy in life because like in France for example and uh, you know Anna was telling me about this is like you know you have you know two hour lunch breaks a lot of places close down during the afternoon so people can like relax and have their siesta as you would say yeah. in Spain at least like, and dude, it's that's like human that's just yeah. human and it feels <laughs> like normal. the things that we're pushed to nowadays is like not that I feel like I hate to it I guess it's it's not cliche right to to have a really obvious political message because it's obvious for a reason but it's just like i feel like a fucking cog in the machine yeah. you know i feel like grind it out and like like i like i'm ultimately like insignificant regardless of how much they like preach values of like you know you know i really like 
you go in there and you're like, well, I don't know, this place is different, you know, but it's just like the values that they preach ultimately doesn't matter because they have to, regardless of how they started off, they have to conform into like what works within the larger scale economy. Yeah. And what the, if their goal at any point is to grow into a multi-million dollar thing, then that thing is always going to transition into like it's going to eventually lose the values that won over people to stay there, right? And it's just going to substitute it for, you know, boiling Great. yeah, bo- boiling everybody down to a number and then eventually like the bottom line. Yeah, and it's just it's it's so I'm not saying it shouldn't try and strive to be like profit driven, but there's this like internal ticker where their allegiance is more towards um how do I say this? Numbers and money. Yeah, but it's not even just that, right? Because I feel like you can have a you can have a company, but there's no sense of like, well, that was a good month, you know? Good work everybody. Like it's it's infinite growth infinite growth exactly like the, it is always growing larger and it's like this sort of like fucking like it's diminishing a- returns that you even see within things it's just like you put so much stuff into it there's eventually a point in the like um like the the return on uh on investment, investment yeah that fucking it pivots right it's no longer on the steep incline yeah. and eventually it does that and i feel like we're at that point for the economy and for people's input within their companies because it's like you know I think I read somewhere that it's just like people nowadays work more than serfs did, you know, and I'm, obviously they didn't have the greatest life, but it's just like there's something to be said about like I toiled, I did my thing, you know, I put food on the table. Now let's just fucking enjoy our, uh, you know, each other's company and maybe we don't need like this like fucking rapid, rabid media consuming society. Maybe well, we do need to just enjoy each other's company and be a little bit more meager when it comes to like the luxuries of life well i mean it's not even like like i feel like you it's not even that hard to just have a middle class that's like works 30 to 40 hours a week and that still can survive on a single family income and be okay Mm -hmm. that europe does that australia does that japan does that actually no japan doesn't do that they're fucking crazy uh (laughs) sorry but canada does that too right where you have you have people who are paid well enough because there was um uh, a good example of like how you can tell whether your economy is doing well or not uh and not in the sense of like gdp or fucking stupid stonks stocks stonks stonks <laughs> the <wrong>. meme has <laughs> injected too much no I mean, but it's the stock market at this point yeah i know <laughs> the stock market all that bullshit doesn't fucking matter what matters is how the average american is doing in the economy right whether mm-hmm. they can survive whether they can pay their bills all of that yeah something that is a good indicator of that is who is working in the lower end jobs in your economy? Like for in our example, it would be fast food workers, right? Yeah. In places like France and like that are better, you know, more well established and have better living conditions and better standard of living. The most most of the time, the people you see working at fast food are younger. They're just starting out in their careers. They're in high school or they're in college, and that's it, right? Yeah. But in America, you're seeing more and more commonly uh, these days that you're seeing people who are older and older in fast food because our economy is so shit that people can only find jobs in the lower end of the spectrum and making such meager wages and they can yeah. barely survive. That's true. It's, I do see that. I, I feel like I see that. You go to the Starbucks and it's like you see like older people or chick-fil-a yeah and those like, those jobs are meant for younger people to start off not for an older person to have a career out of it yeah. and, and you know what fucking sucks that that ultimately gets turned into a culture war right Ugh, of yes. uh, of old versus 
of old versus young where the old people don't realize how fucking like how fucking abused they are yeah. in the sense that they can't live off of their retirement just based off of how they've worked in in there it's just like it's people who have saved who have saved who do, who've done the right thing you know and now they have to compete right with uh the young people but then the the i mean I'm going to make broad generalizations here, but I feel like older people are typically more conservative. And the conservative viewpoint is that the social issues that young people take up are causing the financial woes, <laughs> you know, the financial woes of the old people. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, fighting for, you know, any sort of rights of uh, discriminated groups is causing this issue. Somehow, because like, that makes sense. Yeah, usually, I mean, you know, if you operate off of Tucker Carlson logic, it's usually like, how can an administration uh, that fights for the, the, the rights of these people, um, how can it functionally run an economy? It's just like as if it's as if those are related uh, topics. Yeah. Like it's just so I mean, it, it it is, but not in that sense. Like that doesn't indicate the other. The other is is a more important and run by a much more nuanced and complex factors like, you know, all the previous administrations and, you know, the rules set by them. But I don't know, like, I guess more than anything, I, I um, like people think that somehow like the trans agenda, quote unquote, is somehow causing this economic crisis or some bullshit like that. And it's just like, I don't understand how yeah, you make like, such a less like, than a percent of the population. Right. <laughs> or I don't know, like a, it's, a percent I think of the it population. is growing a little bit, but um, that's always think, been a weird thing because it's like, so if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, in 2015, 4% of the population identified as LGBTQ, and now it's like 8% as of 2020. So it's, it oh, is. Oh, really? Yeah. So it oh, is. Oh, percentage a, of the LGBTQ population? No, no, no. Percentage of the entire population that identifies as LGBTQ generally. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not, not trans specifically, but just LGBT in general. I don't know how much of that is trans. But either way, it doesn't fucking matter what these people do. What these people do has absolutely no impact on how much money you make. You know what does have impact on how much money you make? Not how the much... 8%. <laughs> the, the 1%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fucking tax cuts that the billionaires get all the fucking time that take away all of our tax dollars. Or the military contracts where they sell a fucking pen to the government for $400 so that the military contractors can line their pockets with greed. I mean, sorry, with money. And the corporate greed that keeps stealing the wealth from everyone else so that we make sure we get nothing and they get everything. That's the problem. But everyone, the Republicans are so good at marketing that they've convinced everyone that it's the LGBTQ, the elite liberals. To be fair, the, the, there are obviously a lot of elitists who are liberals and the left who are somehow the problem. Yeah. Which only one of those is the problem, is the elite liberals. Everyone else, yeah. not an issue. LGBTQ people have more in common with the fucking Christian conservative um, uh, evangelical than that Christian evangelical has with like someone like Elon Musk. But they will always uh, like praise Elon Musk as like a fucking god and say that LGBTQ people are the problem, even though Elon Musk is the one literally stealing money from their pockets every day. Yeah, it's um, it's rough, but uh, I mean more than anything, I guess I I lament the uh, just the brainwash of of people not being able to enjoy their lives by their own. Um, just they take it home they take the work home and they're just like well i got nothing else going on in my life i'm like find something enjoy it this is your gift right i mean like i i mean i've had problems with that because like i'm a workaholic and i've i've had i've i think i internalized that mentality it's so so hard yeah you to gotta unravel break it. from it and you have to <laughs> i think people don't realize that you have to be as 
uh, as uh, conscious about how you spend your free time as you do work time. Yes. Right? In fact, well, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people just slip into jobs, right? But then, like, when you're working, you have to be pretty conscious about it. But you have to be conscious about what you do, you know, after after hours, right? Like, you know, do something that's good for you in terms of, like, you know, creativity or relaxing. Like, I feel like I slip into friends. it, not in the sense of, like, working from home, but I get home and I immediately just start, like, consuming... Um, short form media which is like terrible for your brain you know YouTube yeah YouTube fucking TikTok and Instagram it's just like I have to avoid um certain like I don't know pitfalls like like I had to like assess how my brain works and like recognize like um like constant pitfalls so like usually if I come home and I like walk immediately into my room my first like my first thought or my first action is to like lay in my bed and when I lay in my bed I just get on my phone so like what I have to do is like I have to come home and like not lay down immediately I have to like come home and like start making food or like just doing one thing Mm. like popping fucking food into the microwave yeah or something like that and I'm not saying like media like as a whole like I think in general I feel better if I'm consuming long form media than um than short form media, like if I'm like watching a movie, you or good? like, yeah, my hand. If I'm like watching a movie or a TV show, I mean that's better because you have to follow a narrative, right? Yeah, I mean I think it's like just trying to figure out how to spend your time in a meaningful and a, in, intentional manner, to where like. You know, because I think a lot of times, especially nowadays, it's very easy to fall into the despair and negativity that we feel, especially as a younger generation, because there's literally no hope for the future for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So it's like, we have to, like, I think we do need to do a little bit more of that um, traditional self-care of, like, you know, being more open to, like, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but just, I don't know, like... J- I know it sounds cringe and stuff, but it's like being appreciative of what you do have because it is it is an important step in actually making yourself happier. And yeah. you know, I I mean, I'm the first person to tell you that we need to change this country and this society fundamentally. But like at the same time, if you're not optimistic and hopeful and at least a little bit positive and happy, it's going to be very difficult to make those changes and not get burnt out, right? Yeah. Or work for those towards those changes. So the only way to like continue that and continue yourself be motivated is that it's also you know doing self-care appreciating what you appreciating what you do have yeah and like doing stuff outside of work that and I, th- I do think that our generation is doing better at like not focusing on work so much and like being more focused on like your personal life but I think For now that, but I, yeah and but I think number one it's kind of hard to do that when you don't have money so you, there's not much options there but number two you know I do think it, it does tends to go into negative um practices that only reinforce the negativity and the despair that we feel like Like, social media oh yeah so it's like you social media isn't like i'm not going to be like this old guy says social media is a devil like there's always been shit like that but like you're not wrong in saying that it is right because like but i think anything in moderation is fine i just think like we need to be careful with it that's all yeah but i feel like when people say that they don't i don't think people fully grasp what they're saying 
you know, because like what I like to like make it uh, equate it to is like drugs, right? Mm. Like it's not drugs in the sense that it is like a one-to-one connection. I inject this into my body and then my brain immediately responds to the chemical, but it's damn near close because it's like, uh, you can say, well, you know, like a little bit of drugs is, you know, good in moderation, but it's just like, it's addictive. Like it absolutely is. And you have to think of what you're fighting against. It's not you versus your phone. It's you versus a multi-million dollar company that is doing everything in its power to find out how it can make you stay on that phone and consume more ads so That's that true. it can make more money, right? That is exactly what it does. And if you don't think they're putting millions of dollars into trying to understand and test and constantly revise how they do that. And if that's not addictive, I don't know what it is. Like it's not a, it's not chemically addictive, but it is learning how your brain works and it's trying to learn how to push those buttons effectively, right? Yeah. And so you can say like okay, it's good in moderation, but it's just like drugs aren't good in moderation because they can lead to gateway things, right? Like uh like or sorry, addictive drugs are not good in moderation because it can lead to like an addiction right like i would never try coke and i think you have to realize that about yourself because it's like do you have an addictive personality yeah i think most people because if i'm not mistaken with drugs specifically only like 30 something percent of people who use hard drugs that are very that are strictly illegal like cocaine or um heroin stuff like that only Mm -hmm. about a third of people end up actually being addicted to it Mm -hmm. so it's not like most people are addicted to it but I, like you said, I think you have to be very self-aware of yourself of like knowing whether you can handle the substance or not. It's the same right. thing with like alcohol. Like you have to know whether you have traits of potentially becoming an alcoholic so that you can be careful with it. Yeah, and I, mean, I think, like I wouldn't take something if there was like, well, there's a thirty percent chance it can ruin your life. Yeah, it's exactly. just like it's like I, I don't know how, what's the appropriate metaphor for that. It's like if you give me a hundred M and M's and it's like, well, thirty three of these will make you like eventually maybe die. You know, it's just like, well, I don't know if I want to take one of these M and M's. You know, even That's if fair. the other are, like, yeah. even if it does have like a delicious chocolate taste. You oh know? yeah, one hundred percent. I just think it's like you. I, I don't think you need to get rid of it. Like, cause I. I mean, obviously, I we can both agree that the you know say doing a war against it doesn't work like you said it's not a war against the phone or against necessarily the drug it's a war against yourself and making sure that you have um the ability to handle it and control it and keep stay in control because I mean, like i mean the only fix because the reason i'm saying this is just because like the war on drugs never worked right so like yes and no like i feel like i, I uh, the one that we uh, that we implemented yes but if you think about like was it an actual war like we waged the war like actually i don't feel like i should speak on this because i don't think i have enough history but the my my perception of war has always been full commitment or nothing they definitely right? fully committed they spent trillions of dollars that means that. that you go within to with inside of a inside like basically invasion of a country right because like if you think about That's what they did in colombia pretty much oh really I mean, the DEA was, like, literally infiltrating Colombia to try to stop Pablo Escobar and all of them. I'm talking about, like, full-on invasion, like what we did in Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq, right? Because if you think about, like, what has happened, mostly due to our influencing, right, but we created hierarchies and uh, systems within countries that uh, facilitated, um, you know, drugs becoming a main portion of their economy. Right. So like ultimately, there's nothing that you can do if you take the route of warp. There's nothing that you should do except full commitment. If you're going to smash the fucking hierarchy, you got to smash the hierarchy. Right. But unfortunately, that comes at the cost of you are invading a country and essentially becoming a colonist and instituting your own personal thing. But we've already done that. 
right? Yeah. We already caused that to happen. So it's like, why are we lying to ourselves? Or sorry, I should say more like, why is the government lying to itself and saying, well, we can't go in there and do it yet? It's because they don't care. They don't care about like actually decriminalizing and and making it work because like at some point I feel like they, they it just doesn't factor into their pocket. It doesn't affect their pocket as much, right? Like they already have their own you think like the cartels are bad. They already have their own cartels. They do the drug benefit. companies. They do actually benefit okay. from the war on drugs. And all like because the prison of, industrial complex makes a ton of profit from oh, putting more people in prison. Well, there you go. It's just like, of course they don't fully commit to it because they fucking profit from it. It's but, just like, yeah, they don't. And you know who the number one lobbyists are for uh, the war on drugs? Republicans. The drug cartels. Oh really? Why? Because they make more money if it's illegal. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm, yeah, again, this is purely my take on like if you're going to go at it uh, the route of like. I'm going to you like use militaristic means to wipe out this yeah. thing. But like obviously I feel like I don't know. I want to say decriminalization and treating it um yes, that would actually help fix the problem. Yeah, but I also just yes it would, but I feel like there's so many more things that would have to be done besides like a broad it's done. It's no longer. Oh well, yeah, that's what Portugal did. They had a huge heroin crisis, and what they did is they cre they decriminalized all drugs, and they also created centers where people could have safe injections yeah. of the drugs so that they could transition out of the addiction, and like uh, it significantly decreased their crime rates and their violent crime rates and their drug rates, and it obviously increased the economic opportunity for those people who were affected by the heroin addiction crisis. Yeah. So. It That's seems awesome. like that, like that seems like the best. But of course, you're never going to hear that from me because they profit from the war on drugs, and also like the whole like, oh my lord of drugs, oh we can't, we can't legalize that. Yeah, shit or whatever, like weed. I mean, I think weed is actually majority of Americans do agree with legalizing it at this point. So I think that one's kind of like the amount of stuff that the majority of Americans agree <laughs> with legalizing or banning <laughs> that doesn't get is absurd and the amount of times that i hear it makes me want to fucking jump in front of a train because it just it makes me i i don't even want to talk about it hardly because it makes me so like frustrated and it sends me in the cyclical loop of like yeah. despair because it's like it basically it's it's like our podcast right it's like how do we get to this subject we were just talking about enjoying ourselves and then we're just like well wouldn't it be great if we could you know like enjoy ourselves more and that everybody else can do it because that would just result in so many more cool things even if and like, a better think society about it, overall yeah better society which resorts in even more cool things think if people enjoyed themselves and had more free time to themselves uh if even three percent more right think about how many more people would then like make stuff come up with cool new th cool new ideas you know just like keep on pushing and pushing pushing. Well, that's what i always say like can you imagine you know like 80 percent of the world is, is like is really down under right they have to work all the time in order to survive right imagine how many of those people could be have like so much to give back to society and they can't because they're crushed under the weight of like having to do mundane jobs all the time and just survive right yeah like you have people like Elon Musk and like Jeff Bezos. Do you know how many people we could have innovating that like aren't like fucking terrible human beings first off, but can still do the innovative part, the good part of them where where they're like creating products that help people, right? Mm -hmm. But not in a 
uh, oppressive capitalist exploitative way. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like there's so many people that could give back to society in a positive manner, but because they're so trapped inside this system of like having to survive just yeah, to be how able do to I get make by every day. Money off of this. It's like yeah. they're not gonna do that. And so it's just, it's just such a wasted opportunity. And like if we had if we could just fix this issue that we have and like implement programs that make us so that people have a basic standard of living regardless of who they are i feel like we would improve society and raise all shapes so much and it would have such a significant positive impact on the world mm-hmm. but alas greed and money and profits are more important than that so yeah yeah i mean uh i don't know at this point you know i i almost go i'm tempted to go back to my religious roots and just pray you know because it's like you can't like i'm not saying you can't do anything but it's just like uh you know i can't felt help but feel overwhelmed and you know um most of the time but it's a challenge nicholas i mean take it it, it, it's a challenge but it's just like you know i I, like i also want to it's like like we said i I don't want to have to well I, i don't know maybe it goes back to a conversation that we always end up having where it's just like you know uh most of your day is concerned with creating that survival income, right? So the rest of your day, you either have to, am I going to enjoy my life, like we were talking about earlier, or am I going to push towards something that leads to people enjoying their life more in a hundred years? You know, because that change is not going to happen as quickly as we want it to, and we're probably never going to see that change, right? It's like that catch-22 of like, well, do I pull myself out of the mud, or do I pull someone else out of the mud and help them get out? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I'm one of those people who's just like leans more towards like, I want to pull myself out of the mud, because if I don't, I'm going to just drown in the mud, mm. you know? And it's like, yeah, I feel like you're more of like, I want to help other people out of the mud, but it's just like, usually that all always comes at the cost of like something something always comes at the cost yeah, right you, you like, have to sacrifice things yeah like internally you're always like paying for paying for it in some way if it's not your time then it's your mental health you know or your bodily health as a result of that mental health issue it's just like all connected and it's just like wouldn't it just i like i just at this point, I pray because it's like I want something <laughs> to come out of the fucking woodworks, you know, of the universe and be like, you know, God fucking pulls up in his like fucking Camaro. I was like, hey, guys, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm back with the milk. <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> I'm back with the milk. <laughs> Jesus what the fuck Christ. is going on? <laughs> Jesus. He's like, what? <laughs> I what tried. happened? He's like, they killed me. <laughs> I tried. Do you see what happened? Look what they turned my book into. They t- <laughs> Look what they did to my book. <laughs> I didn't even make it to the fucking 60. They killed me. <laughs> it was just like, uh, well, that obviously that's like the Judeo-Christian you know, perception of yeah. how that go. But it's just like. I, the, you know I mean you can't even that's like that right there honestly that right there is pretty good like I feel like that'd be a pretty funny comic or something like yeah. that but um I mean it's unfortunately it's a little bit true it's like either you 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 die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain yeah well I mean and yeah it seems like everyone who's a martyr and like the biggest names always die early like Martin Luther King or yeah or, or they, yeah they just well yeah they just get killed and I guess actually, like I guess Gandhi's an exception but uh yeah i mean 
I guess that's like the cyclical part of human nature. Maybe we're never destined to get out of it. Maybe there's always going to be that balance. Because, like, ultimately, I don't think that we will. Well, you always have to have balance. Like, you can't, like, you can't have perfection if you have nothing to compare it to, right? So, like, you always have to... I think, honestly, I kind of look at it in an optimistic light where it's, like, we can always improve. But to me, that just means that we can always do better, which I think is a good thing, personally. Like, because there's no such thing as perfection. So I do think that, like, it makes sense that we can always improve and can always do better. And I think that's a good... Because why would you... You, you don't want to, like, get to a point where, like, there's nothing left and that's it. Like, at yeah. that point, what what do you even do, right? I mean, I feel like I don't have the, the proper credentials or knowledge to properly represent this, but I feel like we don't improve. I feel like it's a... Um, it's like a cyclical, but cyclical is not the right word. It's just like we, like... We like try and like fix something over here, and something over here drops, and we go back over there, and something over there drops. Like it's just like it's a never-ending like runaround where the thing that you're always trying to fix something else, the moment that you leave one spot breaks. I and mean, I feel yeah. like you can say, well, you know, we have modern medicine and this, that, and the other thing, but it's just like with those problems, I feel like worse problems come out of that yeah there's always pros and cons to everything right like yeah. i mean for example modern medicine the fact that we're giving so much antibiotics is making us immune making bacteria ev evolve to being immune to, anti to antibiotics meaning we're going to probably have a pretty bad pandemic not in too soon in the future uh not too far in the future sorry um but i mean it de i think it depends on what you prioritize or what your measure of what improvement is and that's a little bit subjective so it kind of it can be a little difficult to really know I mean, like to me it's just for the average person's quality of life and standard of living is i think a relatively decent uh metric to go by in my view i don't know if i don't know if that's mm. the right view but like to it, me if that's the case i do think there is a general improvement more or less i mean quality and, of life and though I, I agree with your cycle thing but i do think it's like a on average still going up where it's like you go down but the next time you go up you go up a little bit higher and it maybe you go down further the next time but then you go back up to around the same spot or maybe a little it's like it's not perfect it's not always an improvement and i agree it's cycles but i think every time we get out of a cycle we do tend to improve a l just a little bit more to get a little bit better yeah well yeah i guess so that's a really hard thing to see I mean, in the yeah. grand scheme it's, of things because it's, it's like all anecdotal yeah like <laughs> I, I i mean Quality of life may be better in our country, but it's like the standards of how we measure quality of life. Like I'm talking about just I – I guess I measure improvement by like are people enjoying their lives – like what ratio are they enjoying their lives to, to not enjoying their lives, right? And I feel like people just more – they don't have like – I mean – if you talk to people about like anxiety with how anxiety operates and how it's like developed over the years is because like we are biologically like uh, the mechanism by which we have anxiety is like something is a, a, a threat is immediately apparent and I deal with it and then it's over. Yeah. Right. And then your body obviously has mechanisms to like make it easier for you to like shoot up that, that adrenaline in case it happens sooner again. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't go away for a while. But we have such low grade, in like low grade in the sense of constant, right? And anxiety. So it's not like constantly like there. It, we're like we're not always at like a hundred in terms of anxiety, but like it is so like 
constant that it's like you have something that's weighing you down and it feels like that is more ubiquitous right and um and so i feel like that in terms of everything like sure I can like have more easily accessible like food, but it's just worse for you, you mm-hmm. know. And like usually the quality of the food is like going down over the years because it's just like you have like microplastics and everything. It's just like eventually, what's that going to do to us, right? Well, again, I'm bringing back France. The food there, actually, this is a specific example. I'll like get into your point. Sorry. Well, I mean, it it, it feels like. I don't know, just across the world, like, sure, maybe people aren't exactly dying from bear attacks as much, but they're overall suffering because they are not enjoying the time that they have, you know? So it's like you're you're trading off, like, a, a, it's like death by a thousand cuts rather than just, like, some man, like, fucking straight up stabbing <laughs> you to death. I right? mean, yeah. I, I think I'll make two points. The first point I'll say is, like, there is ways to respond to the new problems that we have, and so that's why I always think always being able to improve I still think is good. Um, so this a specific example is going to give is France, and in Europe in general they have way stricter regulations on food, right, than the U.S. does. So there's actually food here that they don't allow in Europe. Yeah. There's also what's really interesting is that they have so France specifically has laws that make it so that most of the food that is produced and sold in certain places have to be from that region, a certain amount of it. So like there's like 15 different regions. I don't know how many, but like so most of the food that you get in those areas are actually locally produced, and yeah. that way it makes the healthier food cheaper. They also label things where they have an A to F grade on how nutritious each piece of uh, food is, and so mm-hmm. most things have to have that. And what's funny is that like whenever Anna would try to buy coffee from like like what she would get at Starbucks, she couldn't find it in the regular section. What a she fucking had shamed. <laughs> Why would you go to France and buy coffee from Starbucks? I'm going to lose my so Oh, yeah, you're in trouble now. Oh, my God. Okay, but regardless, I don't know if it's Starbucks specifically, but it's like the coffee she always gets here. But anyway, when she tried to look for it, she couldn't find it. And the reason why is because they put it in the dessert section. Because it has so much sugar. <laughs> oh, fuck And, yeah. like, the same thing with yogurt. Yogurt is not in the breakfast section. It's in the dessert section. And you know what else is in the dessert section? What? Ricola. What is that? Like the cough drops. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because it has so much sugar. So, like, you know, that uh, that just shows how fucking terrible we are, but it does also show that there is hope and a possibility of making things more right, and people can make their own decisions to be healthier. How do they get that? Because I can't... I'm, I'm so cynical, and maybe it's because I grew up here, but, like, I can't help but think any time that we are afforded some sort of like nice luxury and i'm not talking about like fucking cars or something like that i'm talking about luxury in the terms of like something that's good for our benefit like you know like actually healthy and good for us yeah or like laws that are good for us oh. you know? anytime that we are like given that i'm like how is it profiting you now <laughs> You know, how are you winning over me? Because I know that you always try, like, when I say you, I mean, like, politicians and, you know, and their corporations. backers and corporations. Yeah. I'm like, I know you guys have some way where you're like, all right, let's get our ducks in a row that way. You know, if they do this instead, <laughs> we'll still win, you know? And it's just like, how are you fucking me? Is essentially my mindset towards anything. And, like, maybe that's just they don't they don't have that there because maybe people just don't straight up fucking stand for it over there. Well, yeah, it's like they have a more community-based mindset of like, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice this for the good of the community, which we just don't have here. I hope it's... they never change because I, I do fear that because I feel like they are getting more populist. Uh, I, at least I hear from like you 
that like they are getting more populist like leaders who I like that shit can go, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't. It didn't do well in France because it seems like they were a bit more intelligent with it. Because like Le Pen was like the really extremist right wing populist, mm-hmm. um, and she lost. She only got like thirty percent of the vote. So like it didn't work out in France specifically. It seems like France is pretty again mature in their politics and like knows how to like handle things in a way that's logical. They still ended up getting Macron, who is a centrist, but it's still better than, you know, what they would have had. So they're kind of in a similar situation, but I don't know if they're ever going to go to the point to where America or England or even Colombia is going to be in, like, uh, two days when Colombia has their elections. Oh, I just interjected that. Wow, nice. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What a flawless segue. (laughs) No, yeah, but Colombian elections are tomorrow as of the recording of this video, so the results will definitely be out by the time it's this podcast comes out um but like the guess is that the right wing is going to win well something i didn't know apparently colombia has never had a left-wing president which explains a lot because they have the third highest income inequality in the world no way yes oh my god there i didn't know that yeah colombia is awful and like i was just listening to a podcast about it today as well so i'm gonna glean a little bit from that but um no like it's it's awful how much the rural communities are like completely abandoned by their government and stuff and so right now it's a, a socialist versus the right winger right but the right winger who's wait like in the final in the runoff wow yeah. that must be nice <laughs> like getting anybody besides a fucking biden uh, re- republican <laughs> and diet republican <laughs> <laughs> bruh well because they had a there was an establishment right winger yeah um but he he was expected to go to a runoff against the socialists but then it ended up being the uh, a populist right winger said he's kind of like Trump, but he has a certain. It's weird because he's like, in certain issues he's actually a little bit more to the left, but on certain issues he's a very right winger. Because Colombian like, politics isn't that are how very Trump different. Is, though? I mean, yeah, I, that's oh, true. I feel like that's how he ran at least. He was like, yeah, like listen, I don't care if you're gay. You know, that's fine. Well, because Gates for Trump was actually a pr- relatively big coalition, which is yeah, fucking the, crazy. So that's, yeah, like, I feel like he he is, he's like, well, I'm not saying he's left, but like left in the sense that he's not like your typical, like, fucking bleed, I bleed red. <laughs> well, I guess everybody bleeds red, but like, I bleed red Republican, yeah. where they're just like, I, you know, I have my set issues that I have to stick with, and I do. He was like, well, I guess yeah, he's, he's a populist. Kind of, yeah, he's a populist. Know? He's all over the place. And yeah. so, like, this guy is similar, um, and so like, the socialists got forty percent of the vote in the initial election, but you ha- it's just like Georgia where you have to get at least a majority to win outright. So he went to a runoff with the other guy who got twenty eight percent. But it seems like the entire every single person is coalescing around the right winger. Of course they are, um, because you know they're um, they don't anything but socialism. Even though the fucking right winger, his name is Hernandez. The socialist's name is Petro. Hernandez. There's, like, a quote from him in 2016. He's like, you know, people should listen more to this German philosopher I think I like to admire a lot. Oh, yeah. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, tried to say later on, he's like, no, no, I meant Einstein, obviously. Oh, you get those confused German all the time. German philosopher <laughs> Einstein. Man known for uh, theoretical physicists. Like, I just, like... Or not theoretical. Like, Colombia... Like, people would literally vote for a fascist over a socialist because that's how much they've been brainwashed into thinking how bad socialism is. Like, well, I how do the I young ha- people... How do the young people perceive it? Because I feel like there's... They're the ones who are propelling him, the socialist, right? This is the young generation. But the fa- problem is, is they don't vote. 
the reason a lot of people say the reason that he didn't get he didn't outright win is because not enough young people went out to vote in the initial election so that's why they think he's gonna lose so like how i guess we're like fucking hopping all over the place but like what's your perception like what's the best voting strategy i'm not saying don't vote let's say that you need to vote right and um you're pissed what? off like third of the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm I I go back and forth, so I I'm am saying this solely for the purpose of this like thought experiment, right? Like, is it better to, let's say, we have the sort of election that we have here, right, where it's like Biden versus Trump? Is it better to vote for who you originally wanted to vote for, regardless of who's left, or do you need to vote for the only two options that are? going to be there because it's like i go back and forth on this too yeah it's just like i i don't know what it is because i guess you can argue that standstill is better than like malicious you know policy that's going to be enacted if you know republicans win but um but i feel like standstill ultimately like you have such a standstill that people uh, lose heart because they're not getting the thing so then they don't get motivated to come out and vote whereas like every time every time republicans vote and republicans uh get a person into office they always win they always get a w of some sort yeah whereas like like liberals like the just Court. don't they get they vote someone in right and they don't get a W. Well, it's because. Well, I, I say that. I maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting. Like so, Medicare, I guess we got. So there's there is one thing that makes me the only reason I would vote for Biden again is the the National Labor Council mm-hmm. that they have currently. One of the main reasons why we're able to have as much union proliferation as we have is because the National Labor Council is appointed by a Democrat who's more pro-union. Therefore, they will be more likely to help the unions instead of go against them. If it were Trump's NLRB. Uh, sorry, it's National Labor Board, not Council. If it was Trump's NLRB, then it would certainly be like, um, you know, they would be going against all the unionizations going right now and probably put a wet blanket over it. So that's the only thing. But yes, in general, so number one, the ideal situation would be we have ranked choice voting, mm-hmm. which would allow people to rank their candidates. So if you wanted to vote for a third party, you could as your first choice. And if that third party loses, then your second choice will be counted towards whoever your second choice is. That would be the perfect scenario. Obviously, we don't I have that. Wait, so how does that work? Oh, so it's like instead of voting for one person, you rank all the candidates. Right. So if you have Biden, Trump, and then say a third party, let's just say Bernie Sanders for this argument's sake, you can vote for Bernie Sanders as your first choice. And then you can vote Biden your second choice and Trump your third if that's what you want to do. If Bernie ends up getting third place, then all of his first choice votes, all of the, those votes move to their second choice picks. So like if Bernie loses, my vote for Biden as second choice would go to Biden. So that way people can still vote for who they want to vote for, but they also can vote logically or like strategically if they need to. Wow. So, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm never gonna see that <laughs> it's funny georgia actually implemented ranked choice voting last year for the military of, uh, yeah of course they for do. military voters specifically because they have oh, the mail really? in their ballots oh yeah because um since the they have the runoff system it was very difficult for military people to vote again in the runoff because it's they're mailing it overseas so they did ranked choice voting to make it easier for them so they don't have to go vote again so something some sort so, of ni- di- w would be nice <laughs> so like Maybe, just maybe, and Maine had it for the first time in the last election. They did ranked choice voting. Nice. Uh, in New York City as well. Isn't so, there some, uh, there's some place in the United... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm deviating. C- continue going with what you're saying? Yeah. 
So like, it's a possibility. Obviously, in the current situation, we can't do that. So what I'm, I, again, I go back and forth because my question is, do you vote for the lesser evil, or do you not and like say for the long term purpose of like? Because my the way I see it is like, as long as you continue voting for Democrats to vote against Republicans, they're gonna can, they're gonna continue to be incentivized to be shit. Because if you if they keep getting your vote even though they're not doing anything for you, then obviously they're not gonna fucking do anything. So the only way to the only feasible way to stop that in vo in in regards to voting is to not vote for them so that they learn their lesson. But even then, it doesn't seem like they learn their lesson. Yeah, so it's I like, guess it, the only the only downside of that is that you're not just like you're not just reforming your party. You are giving opportunity for people to make detrimental changes exactly. that further. I think further undermine your party. Exactly, and that's the problem. So the to me, the number one solution is vote in the fucking goddamn primaries. If the amount of people who voted in the general elections voted in the primaries, we'd have very different candidates as nominees for the Democratic Party. Of course, if you don't vote in the primaries, the establishment people are going to fucking win the primaries, and then you're going to have a shit candidate in November. But if you vote in the May, in Georgia it's in May, and it's different in every state. But if you vote in the primaries, you can actually pick the right Democrat that is good for the country instead of like pick, having whatever, whoever shows up so in November. So it seems like the W strategy is like getting, you said Democrats don't vo vote as much proportionally as Re Republicans do, right? Yeah. So it seems, well, I guess uh, I'm late to the party, but the, like the W strategy is to fucking get as many people, as many people voting as possible, right? Because then if, if, if let's say all people vote, then we're winning for days. Yeah, but again, we still have to pressure the Democrats to actually do something with those votes. So if they're always guaranteed the win, then they're not going to do it. They're not incentivized to do anything. So we have to make sure that we withhold those votes. Like, that's why it's a hard to, because, like, I don't want to vote, not vote for the Democrat because then the Republican wins. But then I also don't want to incentivize the behavior of the Democrats not doing shit for us, right? Well, maybe that's that why would change over time just by nature, by virtue of people, like, 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 I feel like the peripheral benefit of voting, motivating people to come out to vote is also more investment into politics, which motivates more, maybe more people to take up like positions mm. and go towards positions, right? And these people are going to age out and die. That's like the one good thing, right? Is that they are eventually destined to leave yeah. this this earth. <laughs> um, and uh, like there's you know, the, there's no guarantee that that that. They're 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 doing a pretty good job of replacing those voters with younger Republicans and stuff at this point. I think. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I I mean, yeah, obviously they they will do that because you know, um, they're great at marketing. But I'm talking about like liberal like liberals and like. Oh, you Democratic mean like the the current elite estab establishment? Yeah, the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's like, true. There's going to be a point which like you have to replace these people because they're dead. You know, and it's like. I don't know. AOC, she's another person. What's the other one? Um, they're part of the Cory Bush, Ilmad, Alan, Alan yeah. Omar, yeah, Ayanna Presley. Like they're they're good people, I think, right? Yeah, no, they're good. Yeah, good politicians, and I don't know. Like we didn't have them before. Yeah. They're young. They're new. I mean, they have their flaws, but they're so they're a million times better than fucking Nancy Pelosi and yeah. Chuck Schumer. So yeah, like the, I feel like you just need to get. I don't know. You just, I guess you do just need to continue fighting, and eventually there's going to be a point where, yeah. like, you know, 
the the we will see like a, a shift of sorts yeah right? and, and it's it, just like you have to fucking i guess put in your time in the trenches you know and and yeah and like it's voting in the primaries i think can really help with that and it's not just about voting as well obviously voting is just one step in the process yeah. i always am I'm, I'm always a big believer that we have to have both inside and outside forces the inside forces are there to have power for the movement, and then the outside forces are there to keep the insiders accountable and also do the work uh, um, that you can't really do within the system. Mm -hmm. So that's like labor unions are a good outside system force that can help bring pressure and bring working class together. Mm -hmm. You can also you know, do more activist stuff in general, like you know, calling your representatives and being at the Capitol and like advocating for things so you know it we need that inside outside strategy and it's i think the problem right now is we just don't have the leadership to do it because bernie sanders was the de facto leader of the left for a while but he's so old now and it's like he's not he, he lost twice so that's kind of dissipated there's rumors that he is um according I mean, to he's old but he doesn't look decrepit he doesn't he's younger than biden and he's way healthier than biden yeah. um and like he uh um, he's sharp He's yeah. sharp. You it's don't. Insane. Nobody thought. <laughs> nobody thinks that Biden is sharp. No. So I don't think it should be like, well, he's too old. It's just like, yeah, we have fucking Methuselah <laughs> in office right now. I think like you know, I think Bernie will obviously like if he were to get in, into office, will get his stress will get to him, and maybe he'll get to that point. But it's just like, no, the dude looks sharp. He, he sounds sharp. Like I, I don't think that should be a disqualifier. Yeah. I mean, I mean hey, you better fucking run, old man. <laughs> I mean, I just wish we had someone else because we can't like keep dragging this eighty-two-year-old over. Like, please save us. Well, we guess, need someone else. I mean, I, but I, it's like I there's know. no one else right now. I don't know much about it. I don't know who's on the who's on the roster, you know. But like, like when is AS, AOC? When does she qualify to run? Because I feel like that's like the next. I feel like she is. I think it's twenty twenty-four, right? Or is it? I don't know. Let me check. Like, I feel like she's probably the next pick. Yeah, but she's 32 right now, so she needs to wait till 2028. Because you have to be 35. Oh, actually, no, I think 2024, because you have to be 35 when you get inaugurated. So she might oh, be good. Oh, when you're inaugurated? Okay. That's I cool. think I think that's what it is. So, yeah, Damn, I think dude, she you're should... knowledgeable about this shit. That's fucking wild. I would <laughs> never have known that. Yeah, I mean, I, I look this up a lot. I mean, the, th the problem with AOC is that she does have a little bit of trouble with coalition building. She's very good for her district, but when it comes to actually general election population, voter population it seems like she doesn't do very well just because she has a little bit too much of that to be frank the sjw stuff and like the woke stuff a little bit where it's like it goes a little bit too far or it's like i mean i don't mind it right i don't really give a but fuck have we but had most a people do. that has run with that um i mean you don't... i mean just based it's just based on so i i looked at a study that like pulled a bunch of people in the midwest i think um not or yeah, I think it was the Midwest, and it was like they pulled five different types of candidates to see who would. They're like general candidates, so it wasn't like specific people, but it was like they did messaging around them and like said who would you like more, and they tested a Republican, a populist leftist like Bernie Sanders, an establishment liberal like um, Hillary Clinton, and then a, uh, I guess you would call it woke progressive like AOC, um, and who's the fifth? Actually, it was only four. And a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no no! Janitor won by no no no. no. <laughs> the fifth was a conservative Democrat, like a like a Joe Manchin type. So the one that pulled number one the best. Wait, was, I thought well, how's that different than? Well, Nancy Pelosi is more like a liberal centrist. 
So, or Hillary Clinton is like a liberal centrist. Like, oh, yeah, isn't Joe Manchin for like guns? Or yeah, guns? it's like like a like actually like basically a Republican, but a Democrat. Are, are they like libertarian? Are they like fiscally just, conservative but it, socially liberal? No, that's the establishment. That's the centrist liberal. The the conservative Democrat is more like centrist socially and physically conservative. So basically a Republican. How does it? Oh, so, yeah, because I'm like I'm like what policy stands out as making them liberal? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> like I don't know. They're like we won't actively go out. <laughs> you know? I have no idea, bro. Either way, they pulled these five people. The number one, the poll, the number one was the populist leftists like Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Number two was the Republican, and then number three uh, was, I, I believe, the AOC type. Or the centrist Democrat. I don't remember which one. I know that the conservative one got last. I don't remember which one got third. It was either the AOC type or the Hillary Clinton type got third. Um, well, maybe so like, she'll get um, maybe she'll get fucking uh, like you know she hasn't run for it yet. So maybe yeah, she'll I get mean, like campaign people who are like, all right, tone down the fucking yeah, you know. But I like it's also do we want that? Like I don't give a, like at that point I'm just like. It just doesn't pull well amongst like, people. Like she's a millennial. Like it's just like yeah, that's how they are. You know. Yeah. Like, you know they're they're all about the fucking the, the well I guess I was about to say like they're all about the fucking acronyms. But I don't. I'm I'm not saying that I'm against the acronyms. I'm just saying they love the acronyms. Yes, they do. You know they love the fucking the very like narrative like tropey sort of stuff of like fighting for the right thing. But I I don't know. I don't want to diminish what she's done. Yeah. No. Definitely not. But I mean, just like that's like how thirty year old millennial liberals are. You know, they That's essentially true. are responsible for the qu- the culture that we have now around that sort of like, around like um, discriminated groups. Yeah, um, and I think it goes. I just think it does go a little too far sometimes, but I think it's necessary part of it. It's just we shouldn't focus on it in the way of like. I'm not saying you should diminish it or not do it, but I'm saying don't put that as your main thing because that like you don't want to put divisive things as your main. Uh, issued necessarily if you're running for the country's yeah. main office right if you're running in your specific district and stuff like that it's just, it's about strategy right mm-hmm. so like you want to focus on the issues that people care about more which that unites people instead of divides people but like i mean again i'm not saying she shouldn't be that way or she shouldn't believe in those things i'm just saying she shouldn't lean on in, in on them too as much as she does yeah i guess that begs the question because like again i feel like we're paying with broad painting with broad strokes as far as like what she believes but it's just like do you address those things which are ultimately symptomatic of economic issues or do you focus on the economic issues because if you like treat the symptom you're more you're more likely to treat the symptom it's easier to do like in terms of politics i feel like you're 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 more likely to get a w in terms of like trying to like fight for uh rights for discriminated groups than you are to make grand scale economic changes that would benefit those minority groups but also everybody else it goes back and forth i think on the one hand if you do the universal programs like the economic stuff it's you have a tougher battle with like the corporations and stuff Mm. on the other hand the i don't know if it's easier per se because there's a there's also a lot of divisiveness around like race issues and lgbt issues and stuff like that so like there's also a lot of pushback from the right on that so it depends on who is who you think it's easier to get to fight against is it the corporations or the right which well, is also the corporations but like in a different way i guess i feel like i i say that because like well when you say homosexuality like, and gay and like and like people who are gay are less 
a point of contention for Republicans now, right? Because they got... Debatable, but yes. Well, not as much as, like, it used to be. Also debatable, because it's getting worse. <laughs> they just passed oh, a Don't okay. Say Gay Bill in Florida. Okay, I, yeah, I, I guess then I take back what I said. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I guess I'm basing this off of, like, how I used to perceive it. Well, I mean... Which was, it, like, they were, like, do we even treat them as people? You know? That's true, it's that's just true. Like, but I it guess is, that's it, happening it, now. It is better, but there is still a very strong, small minority that, like, overall, more people are accepting of LGBT, especially the gay part, not so much the trans part. Um, but, like, there's, there's now such a huge backlash against it that, like, there's more bad laws going against LGBT people now than there has been in, like, the last 20 years. Jeez, that sucks. Well, I guess my my logic was, like, if you go after a Republican's um, wallet or, or, yeah, if you go after a conservative politician's wallet or if you go after his principles on gay people, which one do you think he's going to protect first? His wallet. That's true. Right? That's so true. I'm thinking, my, my logic is that, like, his wallet represents, well, like, larger economic scale issues, so those are going to be the ones that are harder to... I mean, and it's not just the Republicans, there's also a decent amount of Democrats who also don't want those large-scale economic changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I guess, Unfortunately. Yes, yeah, so I guess in general... Yeah, it's not just them, it, just a politician yeah. in general. I think it's harder to get it passed, but once you do get it passed, it's a more way more popular and it brings people together. So it depends on what you're trying to prioritize. If you're trying to prioritize legislative victories, then yeah, the more specific like um, prescriptive stuff that are focused on specific groups is easier. But if you're focused on actually building a movement and bringing people together and actually having more people power and more people motivated to be involved, then I feel like the more broad universal stuff is better in getting people motivated to come together um but it, it is a tougher battle in le from a legislative perspective so i guess it depends on your priority personally my priority is a long-term movement not a short-term legislative victory mm. so personally i would think the economic stuff is more important but like if you're only if you are someone who's more specific focused on like short-term legislative victories and yeah that's probably what you do but personally i'm just focused on getting disbred and on that, we're going <laughs> to give it a close, y'all. All right, AOC, 9 out of 10. Maybe just a little bit better on the messaging. I give her, I give her uh, 7 shacks out of 10. I thought we were doing 7 shacks. What? I thought it was out of 7 shacks. Oh, uh, 5 shacks out of 7. Again? So she's the same as Momocon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that much about her. I feel like I... I at my exposure to her was through I'd give her three stonks out of four that's such a small margin <laughs> okay like fine we need to have it like a hundred you're right you're right how about like I gave her a I, I hundred a hundred Amazon stocks stocks out of 101 Amazon stocks really <laughs> It's so dumb. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, we're losing our minds. This is so bad. I'm terrible at jokes. You should keep with the jokes. <laughs> no, you, what you're saying, I'm just trying to figure... I thought you were being sincere. It's like, why 101? Is there something I'm missing here? <laughs> Did not. they do something recently? <laughs> um, uh, I'm just a fucking idiot. I, I, mean, I don't know that much about her. Like My exposure to her originally was when I was like part of that like conservative counter counter culture yeah i don't know if that's the right word for it but that's how i perceive it yeah. is because like you would have it definitely it's basically it, like it this sense. is not your dad's conservatism yeah this is you know cool conservatism yeah, we'll destroy the limbs yeah um <laughs> uh but my exposure to her was basically like being exposed to her 
like you know they would basically like frame her in a very annoying sort of like yeah. outrage sort of woman sort of thing but then you just like I don't know the stuff that I've heard about her doing for her community is like oh this is a solid no, person she's awesome you know? she's a great person you know and I want more people like that you know yeah. uh, uh, you know in offices but um my main disagreements with her on strategy tactics and it is on her as a person or called or a tenant as a we go fucking work for her dude let's go for it or i'll just run and then yeah just dude you look like a politician i'm not gonna lie (sighs) is that a good thing or a bad thing (laughs) no so i when i mean politician i don't mean like the top one percent yeah you look like yeah you look like you'd be it and you know i'm all about like what's the word phrenology or something like that. You know what phrenology is? No. Uh, let me make sure. Let me look it up just so I make sure that I'm saying the right word. Okay, no. <laughs> I was, but in the worst way. I said uh, phrenology is a detailed study of the shape and size of the cranium as a supposed indication of character and mental abilities. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's like something that they that that was used to like justify racism. That's not what I meant. I meant like I'm a I am and I'm not actually God. I'm so in the weeds with this fucking kid. <laughs> I was trying to say like I'm a big believer in people look like the the positions that they're going to go into. Uh, you know, like so yeah, you look like a <laughs> for now. <laughs> that was so insulting. I'm so sorry. I did not mean and that. And you look like an artist. I do look like an artist. Like we do. Like it, maybe it's not entirely outrageous because like eventually you do try, you do acclimate yourself to the culture that you're around yeah. anyways i'm too tired to get into that um the so, top one percent of viewers of this podcast are the best everyone else can go fuck themselves oh my god we got bernie bernie's in the house yes you see i was over at a labor meeting over here in atlanta yeah how's the traffic how's the traffic bernie terrible, terrible terrible never again were you driving of course not you do, you weren't driving why would i drive I mean, I don't know. You only the the top. <laughs> I am not, I'm now part of the top one percent, and the top one percent never drive themselves. Oh, jeez, uh, um, that's awkward. Uh, well, uh, yeah. But I pay my driver very well, living wage. How'd you get into our health house? benefits? <laughs> Shaquille let me in. Oh, our fucking mannequin. <laughs> This is terrible. I need to stop. All right. This is end. This is funny. All right. Uh, Well, thanks for consuming this podcast. Thank Um, you for consuming our souls. Yeah, consuming our voices and letting us into your brain and scuttling around your synapses. We love you. Uh, We do love you. Um, So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, listening to episode five. Fanatic. um, Can't wait for the finale in episode six. Yeah, the, the very the, limited run. What's, uh, the, what's the name of the Star Wars 6 episode? Episode 6, Return the, of the Jedi. Yeah. Can't, come back for Return of the Jedi, yeah, guys. Return of the Bernie Jedi. Bernie Sanders will be back. Yeah, Bernie Sanders' return. A return of the Jedi featuring uh, Senator Bernie Sanders <laughs> from from Devil May Cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for letting us into your homes, into your walls, and um, we'll see you. All right, bye. Bye.